Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Table Flippers. Before I get started on today's subject, I want to pick up from where I left off on our last podcast where I spoke about homosexuality. So today I'm going to pick up where, again, where I left off in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But before we do that, I just want to say, please, if you have minor children around, you may want to listen to this podcast later. I'm not going to get too graphic. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to get too graphic. And certainly you will not hear the type of language or the graphic content here as you, as our children are hearing in the public schools. Certainly not. However, at the same time, I do want to have a little decorum and just let you know that parents, if you are concerned about your kids hearing about certain subjects, because a lot of these things are age-appropriate or age-inappropriate, I'll leave that up to you. So I just wanted to give you that warning right up front. It's not graphic. It's straight from the Bible. However, again, there's some things that you may want to, um, well, keep from your children until an appropriate time. So again, I'm I'm going to pick up where kind of where I left off because I spoke about homosexuality on our last podcast mainly because it's such a big issue and topic in our culture and our world today and it really should be a big topic in our churches. And when I say a big topic in our churches, I don't mean uh in the allowance of it, but certainly not where we turn the other, you know, or turn a blind eye and have these things going on in our church. As I said, I saw a little clip where a church pastor leadership invited a drag performer to come and perform during one of the church services. Yes, you heard that right. So if you can imagine an overweight man wearing scantly or scantly dressed like a woman and makeup and hair to match dancing and gyrating down the center aisle up to the platform and dancing and gyrating all over the platform which is supposed to be a holy place most churches still view the platform or what was traditionally called the altar area as very holy and sanctified and here this church and this pastor and these leadership were allowing someone that was dressed and acting in an extremely inappropriate biblically speaking or in any other way sexually immoral manner to be dancing and gyrating all over the church these are the types of things that we are dealing with and facing in our world today and even in the church world and as time that we as Christians repent. Now, you may go to a church that's never allowed that, maybe even preaches against it, praise God. 
But nonetheless, as a type of intercessory prayer, we need to repent on behalf of these things happening around us in the overall church. Again, maybe not in your local church, but the overall church. This is really just, um, it's disgusting behavior. And we need to repent. We need to be broken about this. And those of us that see this as a problem, well, we need to be angry. I'm not talking about angry towards the homosexual per se. They're, you know, if they're lost, they're lost. But angry towards those in church leadership that's allowing this, inviting this in, or even maybe they're not inviting it in, but not talking about it. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about it. I'm, I'm not here to bash on homosexuals. I'm not here to bash on anybody for that matter. I'm just here to tell you the truth. And the truth is supposed to make us free. And that's what the Word of God says. But it's really accepted truth makes us free. Because unfortunately in the church world today, truth offends. You tell the truth of the Word of God and it offends people. It's kind of funny, but already I've been called a Pharisee over these things. I knew that was coming, and honestly, I'm surprised it took so long. I mean, today is our eighth episode, and it only took seven to get me labeled as a Pharisee. And why? Because I'm just telling you biblical truth. That's it. And it's it's unfortunately, but the people that go around with, you know, labeling people, Pharisee this, religious that, um, all of these different cute and fancy titles, are people in the church that should know better because I'm just giving you the Word of God as I'm going to do today. So, again, we're going to read at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9-11. through 11. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, passive homosexual partners, practicing homosexuals, Thieves, the greedy, drunkards, the verbally abusive, and swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you once lived this way, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So I use this as our foundational passage in our last podcast when I dealt with homosexuality. But I'm backing up here in verse 9 to the sexually immoral because in our culture and society today, sexual immorality is running rampant. As a matter of fact, it's running rampant in the church. And it's unfortunately uh, not discussed, not preached about too often. There's, there's many Christians in our church world today that don't understand that sexual immorality is just that, immoral, it's wrong, it's sin, and it separates you from God. As it says here in uh, verse 9 and in verse 11, that people who practice these things, including sexual immorality, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's speaking of the right here, right now. If you're not in the kingdom, uh, you're, how could we say that you're saved? And But it also talks about an inheritance, something that's going to come, the fullness of the kingdom of God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you're caught up in sexual immorality. We must ask ourselves then, what is sexual immorality? 
a lot of people have a lot of answers to that and a lot of ideas of what they think it is or is not. The reality of it is we just need to go right to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to teach us. So from 1 Corinthians 6, 9, the word sexually immoral, as is used in verse 9 there, is the word pornos. Now, I'm not Greek. If I didn't um, pronounce that correctly, forgive me. But it's transliterated, P-O-R-N-O-S, pornos. And, of course, this is where we get the English word pornography or porno, porn. But this word means a male prostitute. That's number one definition. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a male prostitute, so I'm good. Well, let's keep going. It also means a man who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse. Now, where it says unlawful, that doesn't mean the laws of the land in the modern times. It means the law of the Word of God. So you have to go back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy to figure out what is lawful and unlawful with God in regard to sexual relations. It also means a fornicator. Now, fornication is still a sin, and many, again, do not understand exactly what it is and that it's a sin. So fornication is sex outside of marriage, any sex act outside of marriage, meaning if you are having any type of sex or sexual act and you're not married to that person, then that's fornication. And that's a sin. And that will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. Uh, fornication is sex between two people not married together in its simplest uh, definition. So we see from this passage that sexual immorality keeps us from the kingdom of God. And sexual immorality is not just being a male prostitute. But that's the idea. That's the concept. That's the image. But it's even people fooling around having sex outside of marriage. One of the things that we deal with in the church world, I've heard people say this, well, we are um, planning on getting married, so we are engaged. I gave her a ring. Um, she agreed. So it's just a formality. We're having sex. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way until you've stepped before God, that preacher that represents God, your family and your friends said your vows and walk through them because there's something to that ceremony. It's not just a ceremony for the party later. It's about coming together in a covenant. And, and unless that covenant is cut in that regard, I'm sorry, you're not married. You could have 10 rings on, on those fingers. You could say a thousand I do's. But until it's before God, your family, and your friend, you're having sex, that's sexual immorality. That's sexual immorality. And I've had people tell me, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I, it doesn't matter. I don't make the rules. God makes the rules. And what's so funny is some people get mad at me for just telling them what God has said. It's like, if you've got a problem, go take it up with God. I'm just telling you what God says. And why am I telling you this? So that you will inherit the kingdom of God.
that you will inherit every good thing that comes from God so that you will not cut yourself off from God or any blessing that he has for you. It's not worth a night of whoopee to lose everything that God promised you. This is the word of God. This is what he desires for us. And there's always a good reason for it. So the word or words, sexual immorality or pornos, will cover all of these as well. These are all included in this. If you break this down and you see this in scripture, it deals with adultery. That's having sex with uh, people that are married, but to other people. Okay, homosexuality and lesbianism. One that um, even the thought or the image, I look at this word and it disgusts me, but bestiality and pedophilia, pornography, all of these things would be under that one word, pornos, or being sexually immoral. So any sexual act outside of marriage between one man and one woman, them being married together, would come under this idea of sexual immorality. Now before I go on, and I'm not going to get graphic at all, when a man and woman come together in marriage, and we talk about sexual immorality, let me tell you something. That man and woman, it, as long as they keep it between that one man and that one woman married together, so many people have used some of this to be cold in their marriage or treat the sexual relationship as only for procreation. Now, that's an important part of it, of course, but that's not the only part of it. So don't be cold towards your partner. Don't be cold towards your husband or your wife. Don't be cold. Don't think it's one of those things that you only have to do twice a year. Enjoy it. Have fun. All God says is just keep it between you and your spouse. That's it. Don't bring anybody else into the situation. Don't go outside and find somebody else. Don't get weird. But have fun. That was a freebie. Not going to go any further on that. That was just a freebie. So let's get on with this. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 same chapter, just drop down a little bit more. It says, flee sexual immorality. And in the New English translation, it has exclamation point, like flee, run away, get away from it. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. So again, think about that for just a minute. If you were to lie, that's a sin, and that's a bad sin. But that's a sin that's outside your body. Okay, I'm not saying that that's okay, but a lot of people say, well, all sin is the same. And I want to tell you, the Bible teaches that not all sin is the same. Yes, all sin has the same consequence when it comes to your relationship with God. It separates you from God. But there are some sins like sexual immorality, those things that we just read, that are sins against your own body. What does that mean? That you are bringing consequences of that sin against yourself. You are bringing it against yourself in your own body. That's one reason why when people are, are engaged in sexual immorality, all kinds of diseases flow rampant among the sexually immoral. As a matter of fact, one of the dirty little secrets they're not telling us about monkeypox, this thing that they're trying to scare people with now, is it's primarily, not only 
primarily a sexually transmitted disease, especially among the homosexual community, just as AIDS was. And AIDS is a sexually transmitted disease for the most part. I'm not saying 100%. It's not a pure science, but it's still uh, um, spread and transmitted primarily through sexual immorality. Why is that? Because when we when we commit sexual immorality, we're sinning against ourselves, not just against God. It's not only affecting our relationship with God, but it literally is affecting our health physically. It's affecting our health spiritually, absolutely. And it's affecting our health emotionally, mentally. As a matter of fact, people that engage in sexual immorality, I'm not talking about just one time they fall, they make a mistake, but that live in that pattern, in that lifestyle, are usually almost always very broken people in one way or another, including the predators that seem like they're the alpha males. Well, there's a brokenness that they have to achieve such some kind of sexual conquest to feel good about themselves. But in reality, that's all because they're hurting and broken inside. But when we become whole, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, you know, but especially emotionally in that, uh, we don't need these conquests anymore. And it's easy to step away, or easier, I should say, to step away from sexual immorality. So again, we are to flee, run away from sexual immorality. Pastors, I want to ask you a question. All you pastors or church leaders, preachers, teachers, Sunday school teachers, um, Bible teachers, um, small groups, large groups, if you teach the Word of God, I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you preached a series or a sermon warning your congregation or your group about sexual immorality? When was the last time? I would like to think and I hope that you could say, well, in the last maybe three, four months, I dealt on it with a series or at least spoke at least one message on it. The way our culture is going, no, no, let me say that again. The way our church, the church, is going, especially in America here, shows that we are not talking about these things enough. We are not bringing about the warning. We are not showing our congregations and our church members what the Bible says about sexual immorality. Church members, I want to speak to you, those of you who are not necessarily in church leadership. You might actually lead a small group or a Sunday school class, and I think that's fantastic. The church needs you. The people of the church needs people like you. You really are the backbone of any local body and the church as a whole. But I do want to ask you, when's the last time you heard a sermon in your church about sexual immorality? If you do lead a small group, when's the last time you talked about it? Now, please... If you lead a small group in a church, go get your pastor's approval first because that can be kind of strange or weird sometimes if somebody runs up to your pastor, hey, you won't believe what sister so-and-so is teaching. But when's the last time you heard a sermon in your church about sexual immorality? When's the last time you heard your pastor speak about these things? I hope you could say within the last three, maybe four months, you've heard a message, or better yet, a series warning about these things. But if you can't remember the last time your pastor spoke about these things, it's time for you to ask him or her why. And I don't mean in a get-in-your-face kind of way. Just graciously walk up Sunday 
after service and said, hey, pastor, I haven't heard you preach about sexual immorality in a long time, or if ever. When are you going to do this? When are you going to teach? Look at the way this world is going. Don't you think we here in the church need to know these things so we don't get caught up in these things? Just something to think about. And please, go talk to your pastors. I couldn't tell you how many times people have said to me, I can't talk to my pastor that way. Well, then you're in the wrong church. If your pastor isn't at least approachable enough for you to ask a question that simple without being combative, and you just can't do that, well, you're in the wrong church. Go find a church where the pastor is at least open enough to have his the members of his congregation come up to him and say, hey, pastor, we'd like to or we need a series on sexual immorality and how to overcome it. I want to read and possibly elaborate on some other passages in Scripture because 1 Corinthians 6 is not the only passage that speaks about these things. In Ephesians 5, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you there must not be either sexual immorality, impurity of any kind, or greed. These are not fitting for the saints. So here Paul in Ephesians, put sexual immorality, impurity of any kind, and greed on the same level. And he says, these are not fitting for the saints of God. Now, this again was in the NET, the New English translation. But um, I want to read it, verse 3, out of the King James Bible. So Ephesians 5, 3, King James says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So sexual immorality, or as, as the King James puts it, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, greediness, should not even be named once, meaning it shouldn't even be found among the saints. That when we get saved, that draw towards sexual immorality should be broken. And if it isn't immediately broken, then the saints of God who have overcome sexual immorality in their own lives should help that baby, help that new one in, in the uh, church overcome it as well. Because as, as the Bible says, these are not fitting for the saints and it shouldn't even be named once among the saints. It's just not fitting. That's not who we are to be. Seeing as though how important this is in the scripture, how important this is, I want to ask you church members again, when was the last time your pastor taught about these things? Many of you might be hearing this for the first time. And if so, on one hand, I'm, I'm happy about that because you're getting it. But on the other hand, I'm sad because you should be getting it from your home church. Now, if you're a, kind of a new to Christianity, you've just been born again in the last maybe 12 months or less. I understand that. You're not going to have 20 years of teaching in just 12 months. There's a lot of grace for you. But the reality of it is, if you've been around for a while, say even three years, going to a church and not once, can you remember that your pastor or someone in the church has been preaching and teaching 
on how to overcome sexual immorality and the problems with sexual immorality, what it is and the problems, I'm, I'm serious. Maybe it's time to go check out of there and find a new church. Don't stop going to church. Just go find one that's going to teach the truth and the whole truth. So help me God. Colossians 3.5 says this, So put to death whatever in your nature belongs to the earth, sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Again, Paul writing to the Colossians church says, In your own self, you need to put these things to death. In your own self. He didn't say put people to death. So don't go running around and say, hey, I heard this podcast. No, 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 no. You treat these things as the most gross, disgusting sin and get them out of your life, putting them to death in your own heart, your own soul, your own mind, your own spirit. That's sexual immorality, impurity, shameful passion, evil desires, and greed because greed is idolatry. Get them out of you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is God's will, that you become holy, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own body in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. So he says, this is God's will. Be holy. Keep away from sexual immorality. Now, there's other things, of course, but today I'm dealing primarily with sexual immorality. Why? It's a huge problem. Now, if you are thinking, well, it also talks about greed, and that's a huge problem. Yes, it is. And one of our podcasts will definitely deal with greed. It's another pet peeve of mine and a passion to flip that table. But again, today I'm dealing primarily with sexual immorality. It's not the only sin that we need to overcome, but it's such a huge one in our present culture and church today. And when I say church, maybe not your own home church, but the overall church, especially in America, is given to this type of perversion. Jude 1.7, or Jude verse 7, because there's only one chapter, says, So also Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns Since they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire in a way similar to these angels, are now displayed as an example by suffering the punishment of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires. And what was, what did that lead to? Suffering the punishment of eternal fire. What is eternal fire? That's another way of talking about hell. Sexual immorality leads to hell. Sexual immorality leads to the punishment of eternal fire. Now, you might think that's harsh. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I'm reading it straight from the Scriptures. You might, you're being too harsh, preacher. Listen, take that up with God. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. And why am I telling you this? I don't want you to suffer the punishment of eternal fire. I don't want you to go to hell because nobody told you that the maybe what you were engaged in is sin that separated you from God and cut you off from eternal life with him, with Christ. I also want to point something out. Now, we've been looking at different, and there's so many different passages. 
But when we look through the book of Revelation, we find sexual immorality mentioned at least, at least 12 times. Usually, at least in the King James Version, translated fornication, but nonetheless, sexual immorality is mentioned at least 12 times in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is viewed as the book of the end times or God's final judgment of the wicked in the earth. In this one book alone, we are warned of sexual immorality and its consequences at least 12 times. Now, as we read in Jude 1.7, sexual immorality leads to the punishment of eternal fire. Perhaps this is why God warns us over and over to flee sexual immorality. Again, pastors, I'm asking you this again. When was the last time you preached or taught on this subject? When was the last time you preached or taught on the subject of immorality or sexual immorality? When was the last time you told your people not only to flee from sexual immorality, but how to flee from sexual immorality? Sexual immorality, or as the King James calls it, fornication or fornicators, is found at least 37 times in the Bible. 12 of those are in the book of Revelation, our final warning. Now, looking at this, I would hope you'd agree that this is a subject that needs to be spoken of more often, especially with the condition our world and our church is in right now. Kids are being taught to have sex, homosexual sex, oral sex, etc., in our public schools. That's how bad it is. They're teaching our children to be sexually immoral as young as third grade. Casual dating now includes sex as a normal and acceptable part of the dating process. People nowadays often don't feel they had a good date if they didn't have sex with that person. There are people in our churches that are living together without being married. Sex is becoming more and more acceptable on TV, in movies, and on radio. What was considered rated, rated X 50 years ago is now PG and on TV. That's how bad this is getting. And why? Primarily because the church stopped talking about it. The church stopped preaching about it. The church and our, and our pastors and our leaders decided they didn't want to offend anybody, so they just, they just kept it quiet. They just stopped talking about it because somebody may be offended. Well, I'm telling you, offend them. Offend them to the point that they either get straight or that cancer leaves the church. That's what the sexually immoral, that's unrepentant, becomes. A cancer in the body of Christ. And it needs to be rooted out one way or another, either through repentance or they just need to get stepping. The Church of Jesus Christ dropped the ball on this, and it's time for us to once again preach and teach these things so we can be pure and righteous of heart, spirit, soul, and body. Not just the individual, but the church as a whole. The local church, and then the national church, and then the international church. We need to get this right. We need to start talking about these things. We need to deal with the sexually uh, immoral and immorality in our pews, we need to deal with it, yes, loving, but certainly firm. Because they're going to hell otherwise. And pastors, are you going to let these people slide into hell on your watch when they sit in your pews every day? Are you going to just let them go to hell 
and face eternal punishment of fire because you didn't want to offend them will offend them into righteousness. You just can't wash your hands of this and say, not mine, they're adults, let them do whatever they're going to do. If they don't know the truth, you're not teaching them the whole truth. Then they might go to hell, and when they stand before God, they might be going, I was in a church for 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years. Nobody told me. Nobody told me. Pastor, it's your job to make sure they know. Church leader, it's your job to make sure your congregation knows. It's your job to not just tell them, but offer a place of true repentance, not just to say, I'm sorry and keep doing it, but to get free, to get delivered, and to overcome this, to truly flee sexual immorality once and for all so that it will no longer be named in our churches, in our pews, and among our people. I hope you take this to heart. If you're struggling with these things, that you repent. Seek repentance. Go talk to your pastor. If they're not going to help you, or if they just kind of brush it off like it's no big deal, go find another pastor. Go talk to somebody you know that will walk you through it and help you through it. This is serious. It's nothing to be playing with. It's serious because your soul could be in the balance. I want to know that you are going to be sharing eternity in heaven. I want to know that you are going to be there. I want to know that you will overcome every obstacle. Going to church doesn't ensure your passage to heaven. But living righteously, being righteous, living holy, and knowing Jesus, that's what ensures your passage to heaven. So please take this to heart. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.